Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website at www.presetministries.ca to get more details and register now. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Come participate in one of our workshops happening all across Canada. Visit our website for more details. Also head over to our website if you're interested in hosting some of the training that Preset Ministries offers. Are you interested in partnering with us in engaging people in relationship with God through monthly giving? Then be a part of our e-team. You can visit our website for more details at www.presetministries.ca. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here. We are into another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast uh, in the book of Hebrews. We are on episode 8 this week, episode 8 of 11 total episodes. That means we are coming to an end in our podcast series. I hope that it has been a blessing for you. I have enjoyed uh, recording each of these as I've been digging into Hebrews myself. Uh, Last week we answered the question, how to approach a holy God. We looked at the tabernacle and uh, we looked at its comparisons to Jesus. Uh, This week we're going to go backwards a little bit into the text. We were in Hebrews 9 um, last week. This week we are going to uh, start in Hebrews 9 and work our way backwards into Hebrews chapter 8 in a little bit more of a topic like we were last week. And then I cannot wait for the next two weeks for sure as we look at Hebrews uh, 10 and 11. So would you join me in praying before we begin this week's uh, lesson? Father, we come before you uh, thankful for who you are, thankful for uh, your son Jesus, that through his death we now have life. Father, I pray that as we look at uh, another topic this week, that you would uh, guide us uh, in the discussion, that we would be able to um, learn from you. And we pray that this would be uh, God-glorifying and that uh, your kingdom would be furthered uh, through the technology that you have provided to put this podcast out each and every week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so like I said before in the intro, we ended our time together last time in Hebrews chapter 9 when we were looking at the tabernacle, the different parts of the tabernacle, and how those different parts of the tabernacle uh, really transfer over into the New Testament and specifically the work of Jesus. Prior to that podcast, we looked at Jesus as the high priest, and so I thought it was only fitting for us to um, just bring those two together, meaning that we were going to skip a chapter and uh, have to come back to that chapter for this episode because the topic of chapter 8 um, is, of course, an important one that we want to focus on. But I thought not to go outside of the writing of the Hebrew author here, but I just want to 
keep Jesus and the high priest as well as the work of the tabernacle all together. Now coming back uh, to chapter 8. So bear with me, folks. Hope you are following along in what was just kind of accomplished there. But the topic for this week is covenant. And so I want to start with uh, two things. One, we have done uh, precept. Uh, Canada has done an entire series in podcast on covenant. I would encourage you to go back and and listen to that series of podcasts. But most importantly, above and beyond the podcast, I want to uh, challenge you to actually take the precept upon precept covenant course. If you have never taken it before, you need to stop what you're doing and take that course because it is foundational to the Christian faith. It is so important for you to study. I think that uh, I've said in this podcast and maybe other podcasts that there are really uh, three books of the Bible I think everybody should study, Genesis, Romans, and Hebrews, but covenant is one topic that should not be passed by uh, for those of the Christian faith. Uh, There are people, and I've talked about this in the Covenant podcast, there are people that uh, would say that there's no need for the Old Testament anymore, that the Old Testament is the things of old, Jesus uh, brought something that's new, and so we don't need to focus on the Old Testament anymore. But the story of Covenant uh, is thread through all 66 books of the Bible. The story of Covenant is, is the story of God, and it, now it doesn't end until Revelation with all the promises. And so you want to study that topic uh, and go into much more depth than we are going to go into uh, today. So you can go to our website, preceptministries.ca, listen to the 11 weeks, I think it is, on, on Covenant in our podcast. More importantly, get the precept upon precept study, study through covenant for yourself, discover those truths, and be encouraged by them. Hebrews chapter 9, we were looking at um, the tabernacle and this whole idea of better. Hebrews chapter 9 talked about the old covenant and talks about Uh, the replacement of the Old Covenant or the inauguration of the New Covenant. And down in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses um, 19, 20, and 21, uh, we have a term of conclusion that we're going to start with and then work our way back. Uh, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so we've got this idea the author is putting forth and he uses the word new. If you follow through the book of Hebrews and of chapter 10, you'll see in verse 9, he says, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And so you've got this idea here that there is an old, all right, old thing and a 
new thing. And that's what we're going to break down today is we're going to break down the differences between the old and the new that the author is talking about. This new way that's been inaugurated through the blood of Jesus. Now, you'll remember from the previous week, we looked at the old of the tabernacle in how to approach a holy God. There was an order established in which worship occurred, a way in which we were to make a path into approaching God. We also looked under the old way that it only the high priest, once a year on the Day of Atonement, had the ability to be in the Holy of Holies uh, where God would make his presence known. For the remainder of the year, day and night, he would be taking care of the tabernacle and everything that had to do with the worship in the tabernacle, including sacrifices for sin. But once a year, he had the opportunity to go in. We also learned that Jesus, that when he died on the cross, the veil was torn, and that began to uh, give us a new way to enter into the presence of God. We would now enter into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that his flesh was now the new veil so that if we wanted to come into the presence of God, we had to go through Jesus. Last week, we looked at the text from John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so this brings us to the point of where we want to look a little closer at the old and the new. So I'll start in chapter 8, verse 1. And he says, now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God in the majesty in heavens, a minister in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle, for every high priest appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that the high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since we are those who offer gifts according to the law who serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. So this is what we covered last week. We covered this uh, tabernacle that Moses was put in place. We covered that it was just a mere shadow of what uh, was the true tabernacle. And we looked at the work of Jesus and how that all compared. Verse 6 says, But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry by much as he also is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant, covenant had been faultless, there would have being no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord." For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And so we'll come back to that because we want to just pause there at um, the end of verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 8. And we want to look a little bit closer 
at this old, okay, this first covenant that came into place. So now we need to look at a definition of the word covenant. And a covenant is, it's an alliance or it's a, a pact or an agreement between two groups of people. In the Old Testament, the definition meant that it was, a covenant was made by the passing between of flesh. And so Genesis chapter 15 gives us um, an example of this covenant being made with God. And so what you've got here in Genesis chapter 15, verse 9. So he said to Abraham, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. They brought all these to him and he cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses and Adam drove them away or Abram drove them away. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, when they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions." As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you'll be buried at the good old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set, and it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch, which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I will give this land. And then he goes on to give the um, boundaries of the land that he would have. In verse 17, when the sun went down and it was very dark, the torch and the smoking flame went through the two pieces. This is God going through the two pieces of flesh, making a covenant with Abraham. The covenant with Abraham, all right, this covenant from the very beginning is an unconditional covenant. The covenant is everlasting. It is forever. The covenant that we're looking at in Genesis 15 is not the covenant that's being referred to back in Hebrews chapter 8. This covenant that they're referring to in Hebrews chapter 8 comes from Exodus chapters 19 to 24. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 15 for a minute, you will see that it talks about that the Israelites, they'll be strangers in the land, they'll be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years, but at some point, then in the fourth generation, that God will release those people, the Israelites, they'll come out of captivity, and then they'll be able to enter into the promised land. So this is the covenant promise that they will have the land one after the 400 years of slavery. This brings us to Exodus chapter 19, all the way to chapter 24, where you have the story of Israel uh, leaving Egypt. You have Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and as he's leading them out of Egypt, of course they go through all kinds of things as they're in the desert for 40 years, but when they're in the desert, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. He outlines them for him. It's interesting. You can go back and you, you can read through these chapters and see this story for yourself. It's interesting that as God is uh, laying out these Ten Commandments that the Israelites are so impatient that Aaron and the Israelites are down 
at the base of the mountain, uh, waiting for Moses to come back, and yet they are making a golden calf to worship, uh, so desperately wanting to worship a god and their impatience. But what you've got here is as the Ten Commandments come down between chapters uh, 19 and 24 of Exodus, Moses reads all of the commandments to the people of Israel. And they promise, the people of Israel promise, that they will be obedient to everything that is commanded. So they take this uh, step of obedience, and what they do is they make a blood sacrifice. They sacrifice an animal, they take the blood of the animal, they sprinkle that blood on the Ten Commandments, on the tablets, they sprinkle that blood on themselves, and they make a covenant to God, and they promise through this blood covenant that they will keep all of the commandments and not be disobedient. So what you have here is, again, a covenant made in blood that, that they have made with God. The covenant that was made with God and Abraham was initiated by God himself. It's an unconditional covenant, but the covenant that is made in Exodus chapter 19 to 24 is a conditional covenant. This covenant is made between man, initiated by man, and God. And so because the condition that's on this covenant is that the people will be obedient to the law. Now, the interesting part about this covenant is the condition that it required obedience. Obviously, the standard for those laws was too high, and the covenant was broken. And so the people broke the covenant with God, and because the covenant was broken and they weren't able to keep obedience, you see, the commandments were, this is the standard of holiness. This is what God requires for you to be in his presence. And so uh, when they broke that covenant, they were at enmity with God. They were facing uh, judgment. And they were not able to uh, keep that. The result of not being able to keep covenant is death. You can go back and listen to all the podcasts on the covenant uh, series to, to learn more about the consequences of not keeping covenant. But this is serious. This is a serious matter for, for the people of Israel. They were not able to keep a covenant. I always go back to that Romans Road uh, track that we used to uh, give out to teenagers, and I think about the two um, sides of the road. You've got the road where um, God, the side that God is on, and then you've got the side that uh, you are on, and there's because of this huge gap, there's no way to get over that gap other than to bridge that gap. And so what you had in the law was you had a way of approaching a holy God. Keep the laws, be obedient to the laws, all of them, don't break any of them, and you'd have the ability to, to get before God. But we know that the laws were 
impossible to keep. I go back to the tabernacle and think of the way the high priest and the process that he had to go through into get into the presence of a holy God. And then you think about um, that gap still being there. And yet, as you're explaining where you are in, in your sin and where you are positioned not on the side of God, that the only way you can get over that gap is by the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the, the law, that old covenant, was made with God. It was to be kept, to be obedient to. The people broke it, and uh, therefore uh, it was a faulty covenant, and something needed to come into place because God's ultimate desire is for us to be his creation, to be in his presence. This is why he wants Jesus Christ to come to the earth and sacrifice is because he wants his people, those who believe, repent, receive Jesus Christ to be in his presence. His desire is for all to come to repentance. And so what God wants to do is restore back to what was before Adam and Eve. And so there had to be a way, a new way, a new covenant that would inaugurate and bring in this better way to come to God. Back to Hebrews chapter 8. Starting in verse 9. We'll go back to verse 8. Finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. Uh, they broke the covenant. And I did not care for them, says the Lord. Enemy. Enemies because of broken covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Now, God is about to lay out what this new covenant is. And you'll notice who's initiating this new covenant. The new covenant is being initiated by God himself. For this is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizens, everyone his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities. I will remember their sin no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to appear. And so what we have in this new covenant. Let's lay out what the new covenant is. First, the new covenant is that God will take the laws that were once written on stone and will now write them on our hearts and put them in our minds. They'll be within us. He promises to be our God. We will be his people. This is absolutely amazing. As we pull in, let's pull in a couple of cross-references and look 
at this new covenant a little closer. So let's take a look at Jeremiah uh, chapter 31 and look what it talks about in the new covenant. This is a direct quote coming from uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the days I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was husband to them, declares the Lord. Now, here's what he talks about with the new covenant. He says, but this is the covenant which I will make. I will institute with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them on their heart, and I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Um, so you've got this uh, as one example of what Hebrews 8 says. He's going to put the law within them and on their heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, what it says uh, regarding the new covenant, verses 26 to 28. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I give you to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Flipping back to Hebrews chapter 8, look what he says in verse 10. The covenant which I make to the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. One of the major distinctions between the old covenant and the new covenant is the old covenant was external. Everything about the old covenant was what was done on the outside. The new covenant is all about the internal. What's happening with inside of us. The laws will be put on our hearts. They will be put on our minds. We'll have a heart of flesh. We'll remove the heart of stone. Everything is going to be done within us. Look what else is going to happen. If you were to list all these things out, the law will be written within our hearts and our minds. Forgiveness will come. We will have no remembrance of sin. God will not remember the sins anymore. Hebrews um, tells us that Jerusalem will be rebuilt and we will be there one day. Uh, God's people will gather back and dwell there in safety. Uh, there's going to be one heart and one way to come to God. There's one thing to do. We always must fear God and live in reverence of him. God won't turn away from his people, and he promises to restore them. These are all phenomenal truths that come from uh, the book of Jeremiah and as seen in the book of Hebrews. What I love about this passage in, in the discussion of getting a new heart and, and a new mind and that the, the words will be written within us, we know that if you were to study through the book of Proverbs, you would learn all about man's heart the depravity of man, the, the sickness of their heart, uh, the evilness that comes out of uh, the man's heart, the, the sin that starts within the heart and maneuvers and makes the actions for the rest of the body. And yet the promise is that through the blood of Jesus Christ, this new covenant that is initiated through Jesus will give us a new heart. 
It's absolutely amazing. I always go back to um, when I was a child. I, I remember um, watching the Looney Tunes cartoons. If you remember those cartoons as with Bugs Bunny and uh, uh, Daffy Duck and all those guys. And there was a, always one cartoon where uh, there was a dog that was always chasing after uh, the coyote. And um, one distinct uh, cartoon was that the dog um, had on one shoulder uh, a white angel and on the one shoulder a um, angel representing the devil. And as the dog was sitting there, the, the two would speak into each of the ears, one telling the person to do evil, the other telling, telling the dog to do good, and the person being torn between the two. Now think about that. The heart of man speaking and telling you to do evil and to do the things that you so desire to do yourself, things that will profit you and benefit you and, and take advantage of others, and yet all of that will be we gone in the new covenant because, one, you'll still have to fight those truths, but you have the Holy Spirit within you, and that Holy Spirit is speaking to you like the, like the uh, angel on the other shoulder. No, do good. This is what God's Word says. This is the way that you should live that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Don't um, take advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made. You are a true child of God. You, God loves you. There's promises for you. There are better promises than what the earth could ever promise you. Follow after Christ. The Holy Spirit is speaking into you and calling you to change and sanctifying you and growing you to be more and more like Jesus every day. This is the new heart. This is the new covenant becoming more and more like Christ. It's absolutely amazing the difference between the two. You see, Galatians talks about the law being a tutor. The law pointing us to our sin. And yet, it also points us to the need for Jesus Christ. This new covenant that's coming. This new covenant is everlasting. It will, know, it will not end. The promise is that our sins will be forgiven. The book of Psalms says that when God looks at our sins, they are as far as the east is to the west. How great is it to be able to stand in the presence of God knowing that we have a great mediator in Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand and says, that person is mine. They've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the new covenant. Forgiveness of sin by his blood. One body Jew and Gentile, unified together. It's absolutely imperative that we fully grasp and understand covenant. You see, it's all the way through the entire book of the Bible. It's God's story of his promises for his creation. It's as important as it was in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. But the book of Hebrews tells us that this is the new way. It's the better covenant that brings better promises. It's eternal life through the blood of Jesus Christ. So what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with your knowledge of this better covenant, this better promise? I always think back to when I'm talking to people about 
religious things, about Jesus Christ, about the gospel. I've had conversations with people who tell me, you know, this whole religion thing is all about a list of do's and don'ts, and I don't think I can keep those things. I don't think I can keep the Ten Commandments, and so I don't think following your religion is worth it. I had a guitar teacher that one time told me, it's way too difficult to live for Jesus Christ. But you're closer to Jesus than I am, so could you negotiate for me a glass of water for when I go to hell? That blew my mind every time that individual told me that. And it was like he would tell me that once a week, as though he would want me to try and figure out a way that a glass of water would be beneficial for him when he was being tortured in agony in the fire. And yet, he looked at the do's and don'ts and thought they're too hard to keep, so I'd rather choose God's judgment. Well, how can we present the new covenant for people to understand that there are certain ways that we need to live to bring honor and glory to Jesus, but they're not have-tos like the old covenant. They're want-tos. You see, the difference is as a have-to, you have to keep those things, otherwise you're going to be judged and sentenced for death. In the new covenant, you see you have a heart of flesh. You have God's word written, his law written in your heart and mind. And you so desire because you love him so much. You understand his sacrifice that you want to live a life that brings honor and glory to him. It certainly changes your perspective on the do's and don'ts. I want to do it because of what he did for me. Father God, we thank you for the time that you have given us today. Lord, I pray the material that has been presented today would uh, stick to the individuals who are listening. Father, anything that uh, you don't want for them to hang on to, that you would just erase that from their minds and they would hang on to the truth of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this podcast would continue to minister to those who are listening to it. In Jesus' name, amen.